0: Every subscription will come with a free Heritage ham, $25 off, and Good Ranchers lifetime quality commitment. That's GoodRanchers.com, code DailyWire. Until 50 years ago,
1: only men were allowed to attend the White House Correspondence Dinner. And after Michelle Wolf's cringe-fest performance on Saturday night, the Correspondence Association is considering reinstating that rule. We will analyze why Wolf's shtick bombed the difference between comedy and important comedy and why the left can't tell jokes these days. Then my latest video for PragerU on leftist abuse of language. Somebody get it to Kanye. I'm Michael Knowles, and this is The Michael Knowles Show. So there's a lot to get to today. It is also, I didn't mention this at the top, it's Cecile Richards's last day. At Planned Parenthood. She's the maniacal ghoul who has run Planned Parenthood for a decade, and I'm so, sort of sorry to see her go. I'll explain why. Uh, we'll also play the audio of my new PragerU video at the end here mostly because i really want Kanye to see this Kanye is now on a run of Scott Adams, Jordan Peterson, Candace Owens i think this is the time for him to see my PragerU video so please tweet it at him it's about language it's about if how you can if you control the words you control the culture so you know go find it on YouTube tweet it at Kanye i'd really appreciate that we're really we're tr- really trying to expedite his process in political transformation here before we get to these things, because I, I want to analyze this Michelle Wolf thing bit by bit. There's a ton of fake news about it. Everybody's lying to themselves. Nobody thought it was funny. We will explain why. I actually know why her shtick failed. Before we get to that, we have to talk about a new sponsor and one of the coolest sponsors ever. This is Little Bits. Little Bits is an award-winning platform of easy-to-use electronic building blocks for creating inventions large and small. This is, without exaggeration, the coolest toy I've ever played with. This is, I don't know if you've ever seen these. So they have, they, they sent me this, uh, this toy so I could play around with it. I'm supposed to send it to my nephew, which eventually I did, you know, but I wanted to play around a little bit first. It is the complete droid kit, like the Star Wars droids, uh, six bits, 20 droid parts, three sticker sheets, free app. If this thing existed when I was a kid, I would have died for it. It is so, and I, so they send me the thing and I say, okay, I'll give this to my nephew. I think he'll really like this. You know, I, I'm just sitting here in my studio, the office floods in 28 year olds, 30 year olds asking me if they can have this toy. literally trying to take this toy from a child. I said, no, absolutely not. But it is really, really cool. Even adults like this thing. Uh, So it's got this app with step-by-step instructions and video tutorials. It's kind of like, you know, you can, you build it up and then you kind of program it. it's really, really cool. It's got drive mode, force mode, self-navigation, 20 authentic droid sounds from Star Wars films. You can reconfigure it in different ways. You can create new droids, 22 missions in the app to teach their droid new skills. Uh, You can customize new ones, give them personality. It's also a great way for kids to learn how to code. So there is this educational element, but it's really, really cool. Kids learn to control the electronics with code in missions. It does require a smart device, so you do it all from your phone. So, so cool. Um, So I I sent this over to my nephew. He is so excited. I didn't realize, you know, I'm not in the toy culture that much. This is like the thing to have. You have to get it. Little bits. Uh, he, He is... He is truly ecstatic about it. So visit right now. Don't say I never did nothing for you. Visit littlebits.com slash Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S, just like Jay-Z's wife. You will get $10 off a droid inventor kit. Buy it. It's the coolest thing. ever. Get it now for Christmas. This is really the hot toy. It is so cool. I was like a real Star Wars nerd as a kid. If this toy had been around when I was a kid, I would have been insufferable for my parents. Uh, get the toy associations, 2018 toy of the year for your kids and inspire invention. You know, when Christmas and the holidays come around, you never know what to get kids. Get this, get it right now and you'll save $10. Littlebits.com slash Knowles, $10 off a droid inventor kit. Okay. So the white house correspondence dinner was on Saturday. They call this nerd prom. And by they, I mean the people who go, no one else calls it nerd prom, not like regular people don't call it nerd prom, and it isn't nerd prom. This is so absurd. This is so self-aggrandizing. It's all these, you know, journalists and bloggers and TV types, and they call it nerd prom because what they're saying is, we're really smart. It's nerd prom because we're so, we're nerds, so we, you know, we put on our tuxedos, and you're not nerds. Nerds are smart. Brian Stelter and Don Lemon and Jim Acosta are not nerds. They're They're dummies. I'm sorry to say, I don't want to be mean to you guys. I don't, but you're not nerds. You can't call yourselves nerds. You, you look good on TV. At least Jim Acosta does, you know, you don't, but you're not nerds like Jim Acosta. Just the, I think the height of his intellectual activity is staring at himself in the mirror and smiling. That is what Jim Acosta does. So uh, that this happened on Saturday a ton of backlash against the main performer. So the, the White House Correspondents' Dinner has been going on since the Coolidge administration. And uh, they they would always have some sort of entertainment. Some celebrities would show up. Sinatra started going in the 70s. And by, I think it was 1985, that was the first year they invited a comedian to give the monologue at this event. Now, uh, the you know these have been going on for a long time. They had some good ones in the early 2000s. Norm MacDonald came. He was great. Uh, Daryl Hammond came. Even Stephen Colbert pushed the edge a little bit, but he was still fine. This woman bombed. I mean, it was really awful. It She totally bombed, and now some people are trying to defend her and say it was good, even though really no one thinks that. He, the View, leave it to The View. Here are the ladies at The View defending Michelle Wolf's monologue. Woo! <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. That was just a bunch of cackling hyenas. Do we, can you, uh, easy to confuse. Do we have the clip of the view?
2: You guys gotta stop putting Kellyanne on your shows. All she does is lie. It's like that old saying, if a tree falls in the woods, how do we get Kellyanne under that tree? I'm not suggesting she gets hurt, just stuck. I actually really like Sarah. I think she's very resourceful. Like she burns facts. And then she uses that ash to create a perfect smoky eye. <laughs> like, maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's lies. <laughs> it's probably lies. <laughs> There's so, a laughing their heads off here. So did she go too far? <laughs> well, when I first saw the coverage of it, because I hadn't seen it live, I mm-hmm. thought that someone had really pushed the limit, because mm-hmm. every headline was, it was awful, it was uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Then I read it and watched the clips and, she, the comedian did her job. Yeah. She mm-hmm. is there to come and push the envelope. That's what comedians do. Right. If people have a problem with it, it might be taking issue with this dinner as a, as a whole in these times.
1: No, that isn't true. That isn't her job. That isn't her. Look, there there have been plenty of uh, comedians on, I guess they're all on the left. Some are not quite on the left, but they're usually on the left and no one's taken any issue with them. Even Stephen Colbert, who really actually did kind of go up to the edge, but that isn't their job. The job of a comedian is not to push the envelope. The job of a comedian is to be funny. That's the only job of the comedian. And this gets, I had Owen Benjamin on the show a few weeks ago, and he talked about this big distinction in comedians. The ones who go for claps not laughs the one like uh, Jimmy Kimmel can't be funny anymore because the left lost its sense of humor so now instead of telling jokes on his show, instead of making people laugh, he makes political statements and then they don't laugh because it isn't funny so they just clap they clap approvingly they say mm, wow, yeah mm. he said he said a thing mm, yeah it didn't didn't tickle me because he's not doing his job but mm you know it, this is the distinction between comedy and Important comedy. That's the this is the main distinction in comedians these days, because there are comedians who make people laugh and they tell jokes, and then there are people who can't make them others laugh who can't tell jokes, so they do important comedy. This kind of ruined George Carlin even when he decided to become a philosopher instead of a comedian. Very talented comedian, and then he started doing this philosopher shtick. It it isn't great. It isn't what comedy is for. But people totally misunderstand the job of comedians. They say, you're there to speak truth to power. No, that's what journalists are there for. (laughs) They totally derelict to their duty for a decade. And now they are, they're the butt of jokes. Now they're sort of the clowns rather than the the journalists or the comedians. And the comedians are there to make people laugh. So look, I'm not surprised that the the view isn't the most insightful place (laughs) to look for commentary on this. The left and anti-Trump conservatives now are calling those of us who didn't like the shtick hypocrites. They're saying, oh, what are you offended snowflakes? Or you're always saying we're offended. Well, now you're offended. It's not quite that I'm offended. I am offended because it's not in good taste, but but I don't really care. It's just that it isn't funny. And the set bombed everyone admits that the set bombed even the left admits it this isn't some left right thing the left admits it bombs douglas brinkley the, who's a cnn talking head who refers to himself as a presidential historian douglas brinkley came on for reaction after the correspondence dinner and they said what do you think and he said well you know there were some good lines right he was trying to put a good spin on it now there were a couple of good liners and then they brought him on again he said well yeah, I mean, uh, well, uh, yikes. And then the third time they brought him on, he said, okay, they got to cancel this dinner. <laughs> this was a disaster. Uh, Margaret Talev, the head of the White House Correspondents Association, she defended Wolf. She called Wolf a talented comedian who had a message to deliver, and she did deliver a message. Again, you're, this is back to the views, misunderstanding of comedy. The point of comedy isn't to deliver a message, it's to make people laugh. So then the head of the White House Correspondents Association said, unfortunately, the entertainer's monologue was not in the spirit of that mission to unify the country. So even the White House Correspondents Association threw uh, this woman under the bus. Maggie Haberman criticized it. Maggie Haberman, more than basically any journalist, was totally in the tank for Hillary. The Hillary campaign openly talked about this with one another in memorabilia. Miranda that have since come out, but Maggie Haberman tweeted out, she said that the press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, sat and absorbed intense criticism of her physical appearance, her job performance, and so forth, instead of walking out on national television was impressive. Because Michelle Wolf was really crude to to President Trump, and then almost uh, exclusively the women in the Trump administration. Those were her two targets, Trump and the women in the Trump administration. Now, I have to say, a lot of this sounds like a little too little too late because everybody was laughing in the room. I don't know that it was like real laughter, but it was uh, at least performed laughter. All of those left-wing journalists there, they, they gave... Her, her laughs. They played into some of the bits. Some you know, she did this thing. Well, we'll get to it in a little bit. But she, uh, Michelle Wolf, had this segment where she would call out something, and then the whole audience would call back. So they were in it, and then they realized how awful it looked afterward, and they said, "Okay, we got to throw her under the bus. We've got to throw Wolf under the bus because Wolf was vulgar. She was vicious to women about their appearance. She was profane. She was and." And what all of the media people realized, because they were all laughing in the room, but then when they left, they said, uh-oh, now we can't criticize Trump for those things. Uh-oh, yikes, we just destroyed our main line of attack against Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, that was really bad. We hate her, yada, yada, yada. So in that way, I think it was really a great event because it, sh- it showed them to be the hypocrites that they are. So the other ridiculous lie that's going around is that Wolf mocked everybody, uh, th- look, she mocked everybody. Only the GOP is getting offended, you little snowflakes. But th- she mocked everybody. The Twitter description of the trending story of the White House Correspondence Dinner, written by Twitter, said Wolf doled it out to everybody. Wolf tarred everybody. Uh, NBC analyst Howard Feynman wrote about this. He said, he tweeted out, uh, regarding Michelle Wolf, one, yup, crude, blunt, pitiless, Remind you of, say, a president? Hmm. Number two, she torched everyone, even Democrats, Stormy Daniels, the media. Three, she wasn't playing to all of America or the room, but to her Netflix deal. Four, she was invited. Five, it's not her job to behave. And six, she's funny. Basically, none of that is true, or if it's true, it shows that she was terrible. Number one, right, he admits here that this was more about attacking the president than being funny. They just want, they're out for blood. They want to attack the president. So it it wasn't, it, it was about attacking the president, right? Number two. Uh, That's a lie. The the few jokes that she told about Dems were compliments. They were, you know, this is, I think they called it Ben Smithing after the founder of Politico, or after uh, uh, the founder of BuzzFeed, I suppose. Uh, Ben Smithing is when you say something mean about Democrats, but it's just mean enough to get credibility as an attack, but then it's uh, not so mean that it actually hurts. So one of the jokes that Michelle Wolf said was Democrats are bad because they lose sometimes. You know, they're really bad because they lose elections. Uh, the, The whole joke was, you know, Republicans could nominate Jeff pedophile Nazi doctor and the Democrats would still lose. So the whole joke is Democrats are great. And the only flaw is that, I don't know, they're not charismatic enough, but they're really good. Another joke was that Rachel Maddow is just too smart for TV. She oh Rachel Maddow is way way too educated for a popular TV show. Ha ha ha! That's the that's not a insult. That's not an attack. So then number three that uh, the NBC analyst says is uh, that means she didn't do her job. She didn't if if she's playing to all of the uh, playing to all of these places other than the room then she didn't do her job. You know yes he says number four she was invited but that was that was a mistake to invite her. You know, it, it's, it's not her job, sure, it's not her job to behave, but it is her job to read the room and to entertain, which obviously she did not do. Obviously, the reaction shows she did not do her job. And she isn't funny. She isn't funny. She just makes political statements that this guy at NBC likes. But that's not the same thing as being funny. There are plenty of people who, on the conservative side, who say things that I like who aren't funny. That, that's good. I like them, but it, that doesn't make them a comedian. Now, the final left-wing attack here is that it is hypocritical for Trump supporters to attack this woman for being vulgar and profane and not having class or anything and not being funny. They say it's hypocritical because Trump, you know, Trump says mean things and he says vulgar things and all that. I will explain to you why these cases are completely different. Here is a, a classic uh, example from Donald Trump from one of the debates with Hillary Clinton.
2: So it is, uh, it's just awfully good that someone with the temperament of Donald Trump is not in charge of the law in our country.
1: Because you'd be in jail.
2: Secretary Clinton.
1: (laughs) That is a very funny line. That shows a quick wit. It wasn't scripted, you know, Michelle Wolf was reading from her script all night. But that was extemporaneous, very quick wit. Now, if, if Michelle Wolf were to try to do a joke like that, she would probably just yell in that nasal voice, you're a criminal. That's what she was saying all night. You lie, you're a liar, you lie. And so she, you're a criminal, but that's not funny. What, what's funny is waiting for Hillary to tee it up. And then Hillary says, I don't want to live in an America where Donald Trump is president. So how do you play on that? Well, why, why not? One, uh, y- you could make a joke about her character, her own actions, and you could make a joke about what happens if you're president, right? You, you play around in this scenario. A, a joke requires detachment. It requires space. So he says... She says, I don't want to live in an America with Donald Trump. It's not like he says, yeah, that's right. You wouldn't, you know, because I would do good things and you would do bad things. Wait, wait, wait. Right, that, that would be the Michelle Wolf thing. Instead, he goes, yeah, you'd be in jail. That's why, <laughs> that's why you wouldn't want it because you're a crook. That's funny. And that's de- he's detached enough to enjoy it. He's having fun up there. He's not just very angry. He did this with everybody. He did it with Rand Paul. He did it with Mar- little Marco, uh, to use his phrase. And, of course, he did it to Jeb Bush. Here is an, an amazing one from Jeb. This is a
0: tough business oh, to run it, for oh, president. Oh, I know. You're a
1: tough guy, Jeb. And, it's,
0: and we need to have a leader that is pr- principled. You're never going to be president of the United you're States tough, by Jeff. insulting yeah. your way to well, the presidency. Let's president. see,
3: I'm at 42 and you're at 3, so doesn't so matter. far I'm doing better. Doesn't matter. So far I'm doing better. You know, you started off over here, Jeb. You're moving over further and further. Pretty soon you're going to be off the end. This like, doesn't
0: do a thing to you know,
1: solve Devastating, devastating, and and the reason that's so funny. Well, the main reason it's so funny is because it's true. Jeb Bush says you got to be real tough like me, and so what does Trump do? He doesn't say you're not tough. I'm tough. Blah blah blah. Right? He that's what Michelle Wolf would do. Instead, he just points out the obvious. He says, Oh yeah, you're real tough. Yeah, no, you're a big tough guy. I'm real. Right? It's a. If you just prick that little ridiculous balloon, it'll pop because we all know what the truth is. The other reason it's funny is that he's punching back. He isn't really starting these fights. Roseanne, Roseanne Barr was tweeting all of the rules for comedy to explain why this shtick didn't work at the correspondence dinner. And one thing she said is, never insult someone in the room who's more famous than you. Never pick a fight with someone more famous than you because you, you'll you lose the audience. And Donald Trump actually doesn't really pick fights. He tends just to hit back. He did this with Rosie O'Donnell. He did this with Jeb Bush. He did this with Hillary on and on he with with Rosie you saw him when he was so vicious with her but he said look with me she insulted me she insulted my business and so with me i fight back and so it, it actually makes him the underdog jeb bush in, in in these attacks hillary clinton they were the they were the supposed to be the bigger characters. They were supposed to be the more stately people, but they degraded themselves and they kept attacking and attacking. So it just gave Trump the opening to punch back. Even with John McCain, you know, he was so vicious to McCain and, and basically made fun of his being a prisoner of war. But McCain did start it. He didn't, now I'm not saying McCain was as vicious to Trump, he wasn't, but he criticized Trump. And what happens with Trump is the minute you hit him, he punches you back at least twice as hard. You can argue about whether that's appropriate or nice or whatever, but it's always punching back. The other thing about Trump is his comedy isn't essentially angry. It it plays on anger sometimes, but it's actually not angry in itself. It might be a facsimile of anger, but it's not really anger. Here's a great example of this.
0: So I get a call from one of the reporters yesterday and they said, the president of Mexico said, they will not under any circumstances Pay for the wall. What is your comment? I said the wall just got ten feet higher. It's true. It's true.
1: Now, if he were really angry, he there wouldn't be a joke there. He wouldn't know how to how to play on their reactions, right? He'd say, "You're not going to believe what they said to me, but they're not going to get away with this because da da da, and I'm blah blah blah, blah and you did this to me, and right." That and that would be the Michelle Wolf response. But the Trump response is okay. They've thrown this one at me. I'm going to detach myself a little bit. How can I? Oh, yeah, that's a funny joke. The wall just got 10 feet higher and goes right. Out, and that's why it's funny. The Washington Post, where democracy dies in darkness, ran a trollish headline today because she, her performance is basically being universally condemned. But they ran the headline. They said Michelle Wolf got it just right. This, this is how the piece goes. That Wolf's performance was not normal for the correspondence dinner is a testament to its timeliness and necessity. Nothing is normal right now. <laughs> so, that's what this is important comedy. That's what this is. It's not, we need to suspend the rules because it isn't normal. This isn't, stop it. This isn't normal. This is why left wing comedy is so insufferable. They're all doing this. They're doing this important uh, comedy. So, you know, if the purpose of comedy is to make people laugh, then they'll keep. They'll keep that in mind, but they say no. These are nor- these aren't normal times. We have to suspend all the rules. No, you don't. You don't have to suspend all the rules. You're you're just you're in this vacuum. Your your vision is so warped by your own hatred of Donald Trump that you don't realize the rules of comedy still apply. And so you might you might find catharsis in her saying mean things about Trump. That's not comedy. Let's get to Michelle Wolf herself to compare. So the woman who introduced her said. Michelle Wolf is not a political comedian by trade. And that is obviously true. She clearly isn't. It's why she bombed it so badly. Here's how Michelle Wolf opens.
2: Like a porn star says when she's about to have sex with a Trump, let's get this over with. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, kiddos, this is here getting tonight. I'm going to skip a lot of the normal pleasantries. We're at a Hilton. It's not nice. This is on C-SPAN. No one watches that. Trump is president. It's not ideal. White House Correspondents Association. Thank you for having me. The monkfish was fine.
1: So that's how she opens. She opens up with this very easy joke about a porn star. Right. And she and referring to Trump, just Trump. Right. Not President Trump, not the sitting president. Just Trump, a very, it immediately begins with disrespect and an easy joke, a joke that anybody could make. And she addresses that. She said, this is not going to be nice. Everything about this is not nice. Right now, it's supposed to be this glitzy affair. Black tie, you know, the, these journalists get to go out for a night and pretend that they're movie stars or celebrities there. So it is supposed to be elevated and, and a little glamorous. That's been the way it's been for for decades and decades. It's a charity dinner. So it's But, but she says, no, this ain't going to be nice. I'm going to make this unpleasant and tense and debased and ugly and just blah. right. And so you're you already know where she's coming from. She's not coming from a healthy place. She's not coming from the kind of place where you would laugh and tell jokes. She's saying, this is a miserable time and you're going to be miserable with me. I identified 48 statements that she intended to be jokes because I watched the whole thing. I watched it, those parts of it a few times, and I was able to identify 48 lines that she would probably call jokes. They weren't quite jokes. I say that the, the Oxford English Dictionary definition of a joke is a thing that someone says to cause amusement or laughter, especially a story with a funny punchline. Now, forget that these didn't really have punchlines a lot of them a lot of the statements were just statements they weren't jokes they weren't intended to make people laugh maybe maybe that she wanted people to laugh but they they didn't follow the arc of what an actual joke is so she'd say so and so lies and is a liar so and so is a disappointment to women she used that line a bunch said yeah ivanka trump is a disappointment to women but that isn't a joke that's just a an insult but it's not an it's not insult comedy it's just uh, you just don't, that's what you think. Okay, that, that's fine. So regardless, I wanted to include that because that, that's 48 statements that might have been intended to be jokes. A, a full 22 of them were uh, just about genitals, and a 23rd flew directly from the genital to the scatological. <laughs> so 22, the, 20, 23 are occurring below the waist, and uh, 22 were just about genitals. I'm I'm actually surprised she did this because this sort of thing is a parody of bad female comedy. This is what you get from Amy Schumer when she's not stealing other people's jokes and Sarah Silverman. You, it's it, it's the, the easiest, grossest comedy that y- usually people don't really laugh at. South Park perfectly skewered this sort of fake comedy. Hey, girls are funny, Wendy. Okay, get over it just do women's comedy stuff. You know, talk about how fat you are and how you want to have sex with guys and then say my vagina a lot. <laughs> that is it. That, and is there Trey Parker and Matt Stone are making fun of the Amy Schumer, Sarah Silverman kind of comedy because it's, that isn't funny. I suppose they think it's funny because it's incongruous, right? They're playing on an incongruity. So they say, well, women are perceived as being very feminine and nice and pleasant and graceful, and we're going to be explicit and vulgar and materialistic and profane. But the thing is that doesn't work. Any That only works once. That only works in the 80s. It doesn't work when the norm for women is feminism. When the gracefulness and the femininity has all gone out the window for decades, then it's not funny anymore. It's just that's the way it is, right? That's sure. And now everything that Michelle Wolfe did was extremely vulgar. So F-words, explicit genital references, pretty raunchy general references. That's not to say that you can't do those things. You, you, you can talk like a sailor sometimes or make jokes about genitals or whatever, but there is a time and a place for that. As I say there's a time and a place for everything and that's college. But there are, you know, there are times and places for this, right? So so they'll say, "Well, Trump said gross things. He talked about genitals and made jokes about genitals." Right. He didn't do that on a podium on a at a black tie affair. He didn't even brag about it or do it in public. He defended those statements as locker room talk because they were locker room talk because he thought he was having a private conversation with a guy the sort of conversation that every guy has sorry to tell you ladies whatever whatever little feminist guy is telling you oh, I've never said anything like that <gasps> I've I've never done I've never said anything so no and what they're what they're like run away because those are the creepy guys that are convincing you that they're nice and sensitive and feminists, and they are the creepiest of all. <laughs> those are the Aziz Ansari types. <laughs> Owen and I were discussing that. They, I think Owen uses the word soy boy. That Run away from that because that's locker room talk, but there's a difference between locker room talk and glitzy Washington affairs. They're not... You got to read the room. You got to read your crowd. And also you've all been criticizing Trump for saying those things. So now you can't do it. (laughs) Now you've you've been saying it's, oh, so it's the worst thing that he did that. And yeah, it's great for her to do it because he did it. What? That doesn't make any sense. Also, it's so easy to go blue in comedy. It's so easy to just cheat at comedy by using swear words and raunchiness as a crutch. It's much easier to, to do that than to try to do jokes without that. Jerry Seinfeld talks about this. Norm Macdonald talks about this. It's much harder to be funny without that crutch. She wasn't even playing on anything else. It was just raunchiness and bad words. If you took all of that out, there wouldn't be any words left. There wouldn't be any... And, and it also isn't subversive. So the idea is I'm going to... That's the whole thing of like women talking about their genitals. Is I'm going to be subversive. But that isn't subversive. That's the, that's the way comedy is now. That's the the baseline, that's the way society is. You hear it on network television. You hear little kids using terrible words in front of their parents. Little kids always use terrible words. They used to do it n- not in front of their parents. Right now, going clean is subversive. So there was a great, again, I, I always bring up Norm because he's the best living comedian. And Norm MacDonald was invited to one of these Comedy Central roasts for Bob Saget. And all of these roasts, it was same same thing as this. Just how do you say the raunchiest, grossest thing with the most F words? And so Norm decided, I'm going to be really subversive by telling clean jokes from the Dean Martin roasts they would say things like, you know, yeah, you know, your your face looks like a flower, like a cauliflower, you know, and then be able to say, say, oh, I've ne- this is so shocking, this is so subversive. Now the rest of the jokes, uh, well, i will have to wrap this up in a second. Say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube. But the rest of the, uh, I'll try to run through these quickly. The rest of them, Hillary ignored Michigan in the campaign. That was one of the premises. Haha. Uh, in another one, she uh, Michelle Wolf called Trump. Well, I'll just say the word. She called Trump a pussy. Uh, I can use it because they talk about the hats that way. And then she made a joke about how she can't grab him. Ha ha. She used the euphemism about pulling out of the Paris Agreement and how most men don't do that. Then one of her jokes just said, Trump is racist, xenophobic, Nazi, incompetent, and impotent. Ha ha ha. Just insults. Uh, uh, She said, teachers don't need guns that was one of the premises, said, Mike Pence is awful too. And so this was actually one of the best jokes of the night. She uh, uh, hit Mike Pence for being pro-life. That was the whole joke. And here's, I loved this joke. Here it is.
2: Mike Pence is also very anti-choice. He thinks abortion is murder, which first of all, don't knock it till you try it. (laughs) And when you do try it, really knock it. You know, you got to get that baby out of there and yeah sure you can groan all you want i know a lot of you are very anti-abortion you know unless it's the one you got for your secret mistress it's fun how values can waver but good for you
1: this was probably her best joke of the night one of one of two that were passively funny and the reason it's, it's not that this joke was terribly funny it was pretty horrifying it, could, it would have been funny if it weren't such a horrifying image that it kind of overwhelmed the, the comedy of it. But, and obviously she didn't get the room. This, this was a totally inappropriate joke for an event like this. But it was pretty good because it killed all of the pro-abortion arguments. <laughs> it actually did, it sort of got to the issue. For instance, she admitted that the baby is a baby. She said, you gotta really, you you know, you've you've gotta knock it because you gotta get that baby out of there, right? She is saying, look, abortion is when you, Take a, kill a baby in the womb and get rid of it. And she's following that to its logical conclusion. So that is truthful. She's kind of playing on truth. It's so horrifying it wasn't totally funny, but it was probably the closest thing to a joke she had all night. She doesn't totally get the issue, but uh, you know, J- Jonathan Haidt did that s- study that shows that conservatives understand the left. The left doesn't understand the right terribly well. And then all the rest of the jokes were about sex. You know, uh, She talked about how she worked at Bear Stearns, so she's never been harassed but she got effed. You know some easy jokes like that. Uh, one kind of funny one about Mika and Joe, excuse me, Mika and Joe, where she said Mika and Joe on Morning Joe on MSNBC. That it's always nice when a Me Too works out. <laughs> it's kind of funny, and the rest just just uh, total insults against other media personalities. So it it doesn't have to be this way. the The, the reason the shtick bombed is because she's so angry. She hates Trump, she hates the Trump administration, she hates the media, and so she would just call them liars. But calling someone a liar isn't a joke. And the premises, other than the abortion one, just weren't true. She had a joke about Starbucks, and the premise was that Starbucks isn't doing enough to stop racial discrimination. The real joke is that Starbucks is the most hippy-dippy, bleeding-heart place on Earth, and... Uh, there it isn't you know the Jim Crow South that's the that would be at the actual joke. It was so disconnected from reality. We will get into how it wasn't always like this and how to get comedy back and my PragerU you video but I gotta say goodbye. I'm sorry to Facebook and YouTube you know you can find this show on iTunes on Stitcher, on Google, on Facebook, on YouTube, on MySpace, on Zanga, on LiveJournal. I think you can get it on AOL Instant Messenger still if you text that like chat bot. I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's in a lot of places. Go check it out. Go to dailywire.com right now for the rest of the show. You're really going to want to watch this and the PragerU video. But it's $10 a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me, you get the Andrew Klavan show, you get the Ben Shapiro show. You get to ask questions in the mailbag. Get them in. That'll be on Thursday. You'll get to ask questions in the conversation. Next one coming up, Little old me, go to the Daily Wire right now. None of that matters. This is what matters. This this is what really matters, because I, listen, I'm not willing. When you when you sip a delicious ambrosia, you don't always want to switch. And right now, I'm on the the Kanye West Vintage 2018 for when Kanye West, the biggest pop star in the world, decided that he was going to start saying extremely conservative Republican things on Twitter, and the, the tears are still flowing. Thank goodness I, I brought this home over the weekend so that I could survive. Some of my colleagues, sorry to say they perished. They didn't bring their leftist tears tumblers home. Sorry, don't, don't be like them. Don't be like them. Don't be caught unawares. You don't know the day or the hour when leftist tears will drown you in their salty deliciousness. Go to dailywire.com. We'll be right back. So it wasn't always like this. It wasn't always this vulgar and this crass and this gross, you know. It wasn't always this disconnected from reality at these dinners. I couldn't find a clip of uh, performers at these dinners because they don't really have them available until recently. But here's a clip of President Kennedy from the 1962 White House Correspondents' Dinner. Here's just an idea of how it used to be. Like uh, members of Congress, I have been during the last few days over the Easter holiday back in touch with my constituents (laughs) and uh, seeing how they felt. And frankly, I've come back to Washington from Palm
2: Beach And I'm against my entire program.
0: (laughs) Would you... Would
2: you...
1: So that it's kind of funny, too, because he, John F. Kennedy's vacation home, uh, one of his, was right near Donald Trump's. <laughs> he would go down to Palm Beach a lot. <laughs> Maybe he went to Mar-a-Lago. Who knows? But it's, it's just nicer. The Oscars used to be nicer, too. The awards shows used to be nicer because there was something called glamour. And people say all the time, they say, I miss it when politics was civil. I I hate Donald Trump because he's not civil. Our politicians aren't civil. If you want the politics to be civil, the culture has to be civil. If you want the culture to be civil, you have to be civil. You have to comport yourself with dignity and integrity and not be screaming and yelling and profane all the time. You know, people can say, uh, they tweet out or they put on Facebook, you know, I effing hate this stupid, whatever, Michelle Wolf. You know, you're part of the problem, pal. <laughs> if you, that's not the sort of thing. It, it is degrading to, to swear frequently in public. That's not something, if, if you want things to be civil and nice, you have to behave in a nice and civil way. Roger Kimball, who is one of the great observers of culture, he got this exactly right at American Greatness. He wrote, quote, The idea that there is certain conduct unbecoming a lady is anathema to Michelle Wolfe. On the contrary, she wears her vulgarity like a badge of honor, happy to trade an hour of embarrassed titters for a lifetime of dishonor and that's exactly right you go up and you say i'm going to get the applause of the crowd for 15 minutes and i will permanently degrade myself i will permanently be that that woman who who did those disgusting things you know that woman whose parents probably aren't very proud of that display but i got the titters of the crowd for an hour that not a, not a good way to go through life. Comedy doesn't have to be debasing. It can be witty. It can be nice. It can be John F. Kennedy. It can be Bob Hope. It can be plenty of good comedians. It can be Woody Allen, for that matter. But when it becomes vile and mean and angry, not only is it debasing and not only is it, does it ruin the glamour and ruin the appeal of that entertainment... It isn't funny. It doesn't work. It actually works much better when the performer and the audience have dignity themselves. Okay, we've got, how many more minutes do we have? We got to burn through these things, huh? I've got, all right. Well, I want, I I really want to talk about Cecile Richards and why I'm going to miss her, uh, but I'll abbreviate it. Cecile Richards, it's her last day of Planned Parenthood. She's a total ghoul, uh, but she strengthened the pro-life movement. She did. We have a, a great debt of gratitude to her. Her bloodlust increased abortions at Planned Parenthood. Absolutely true. But nationally, abortions decreased. In 2014, abortion hit a historic low in America. Fewer than a million abortions. I know that sounds terrible. It's not like you know, damning with faint praise. But that's the right direction to be going down. Going down. It's her last day there. She, she made uh, the goals of Planned Parenthood pretty clear. She was there to murder babies, that's her job, and she took her job very seriously. She did her job very well, but we saw a lot of things come out of that tenure. There were those undercover videos from the Center for Medical Progress that showed uh, members of Planned Parenthood, executives of Planned Parenthood, haggling over how much they could get for selling baby parts and organs and limbs, illegally selling them. They were haggling over numbers. And so I'm going to miss her. I mean, she was, she showed Planned Parenthood for what it is. And I I hope the next person can be so cartoonishly ghoulish. And uh, I wish Cecile Richards a nice time for the rest of her days on Earth uh, before an eternity of hellfire awaits her. Uh, Okay, I've got a PragerU video out today. This is about how the left uses language and how they destroy language. So I'll just play a little clip of it. And you got to go over and see it. you got to share it. And really you've gotta send it to Kanye West. Here's the video. What's in a word? Why does it matter whether we call someone who breaks the law to enter the country an illegal alien or an undocumented immigrant? What's the difference between a Christmas tree and a holiday tree? It's just semantics, right? Yes. And no. It is just semantics. But semantics means the meaning of words. Words exist so that we might discriminate one thing from another. Without words, we have chaos. And it starts with the first words. A baby says mama to distinguish mommy from daddy. Words shape how we think. They color how we view the world. No one understands this better than the left. They are the masters of words, because they know that words matter. The left has a special gift for euphemisms—soft words selected to sugarcoat harsh realities so as to make those harsh realities easier for us to swallow. But these soft words are insidious. So there's a lot more, and if you aren't watching right now, if you're not a subscriber, the artwork is phenomenal on this video. They did an incredible job on the artwork. Some people pointed out when they talk about swallowing soft words that Democrats give you, it's a little blue pill. (laughs) So well, well done on that little Easter egg. It, it, the video goes on for I think another four minutes or so, but it's all it's so important. It's this subtle point that a lot of people uh, ignore because it's so easy to get wrapped up in the language of the left. But language is is where the battles are won. It's where the culture is won. it's where the politics is won. The difference between a Christmas tree and a holiday tree is night and day, the difference between an undocumented worker or a future American or a refugee asylum seeker, And an illegal alien—that is night and day. It totally shapes how we think about subjects. So please go over there because really, all I want is for Kanye West to tweet this video. (laughs) I really—he's so close. You know, he's hanging out with Candace Owens. He's watching Jordan Peterson videos. He's watching Scott Adams. And uh, I—it's just the perfect moment. I think if we can get this in front of Kanye, it—it'll be over. It'll just, he'll never take that MAGA hat off, so please tweet it at him and send it to him. And I hope you enjoy the video. Let me know what you think about it. Okay, that's our show. We'll just have to get to the rest of the news tomorrow. Until then, I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. I'll see you tomorrow. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire forward publishing production. Executive producer Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Overa. Copyright Forward Publishing 2018.
3: This show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical. But no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com slash dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find the mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper or a cold sleeper, Helix has just the mattress for you. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with the Helix Midnight mattress because I wanted a medium firmness and I sleep on my side. I am sleeping so much better on my new mattress. Don't want to take my word for it? Well, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox and you won't believe how well you'll sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10 or 15-year warranty helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans a great night's sleep is never far away helix is offering 20 percent off all mattress orders and a free bedroom bundle for our listeners go to helixsleep.com dailywire and use code helixpartner20 this is their best offer yet and it won't last long that's helixsleep.com dailywire code helixpartner20